0: This message is from Living Rock Church and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. If you've got your booklets, you give them away for me. You can see them fluttering around. It's great. And in your booklets, you'll see all the things that uh, I'm going to be talking about this morning as we, we talk about the, the Easter story. And, you know, it is true that we celebrate every day that Jesus is alive, it's an everyday reality that we enjoy when we become Christians, when we find Jesus, as Chris talked about but it's always special to remember it on Easter Sunday and to hold it in special regard. And, you know, all the best stories contain uh, life overcoming death, contain love beating hate, faithfulness being greater than rebellion, light overcoming the darkness. All the great stories have those at the heart of it, and the Easter story has all of those things within it. Light overcame the darkness, life defeated death, love Destroyed and overcame hate. God brought us back to himself through the life, death, and resurrection of his son Jesus. That's the truth of Easter. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, I just want to set the scene before we consider the story of the prodigal son. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul lays it out for us brilliantly. Verse 3 in the New Living Translation. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. You know, we need to pass this message on. It's all too important to keep to ourselves. It's the most important thing. And this is the truth. This is what Paul is saying. I have to tell you this. I have to pass this on to you. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Paul is saying, it's happened, it's real. People have witnessed it. Jesus is alive. And then verse 12, he says this. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. Wow. That's a serious statement. He's saying because Jesus rose again, there's resurrection life for each one of us who put our faith and our trust in him. If not, then we may as well go home or go to cross car boot or do anything else. But this is a waste of time unless Jesus rose again and we too can know resurrection life. It's a lie otherwise. That's a strong statement. But we know that this is true because we've experienced the life of Jesus, resurrection life. He says and carries on and says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then your faith is useless, and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. He doesn't pull any punches. He says, you know what? Jesus' death and resurrection, the resurrection life isn't just good for us today, it's good for us forever that we can know eternal life, we can live forever with him. And verse 20, it says this, In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first of a great harvest of all who have died. We have hope this morning in the resurrection of Jesus. He wants us to know that he has come back to life, and he's made a way for us to come back to life. I want to consider the story of the prodigal son this morning, and it might not be the first Story that you think of when, you, when I talk about resurrection life. But this is a story of resurrection life. And we've got a clip that we're going to show in just a moment. Oh, we are not got a clip that we're going to show in just a moment. It's not downloaded. Okay. That's okay, Adam. Don't worry. It's not your fault. I'm going to read you these verses. If you turn any your Bibles to Luke 15. Luke 15. Kids, give me a wave if you've heard the story of the prodigal son before. Or the story of the lost son. If you've heard of it. Give me a little... Okay, can you hear it again or hear it anew? A few little semi-waves there. Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus loved to tell stories. Stories present images in our minds. It helps us to think and get our head around things. And this story is one of those. And you know what? This represents all of us. This lost son. This is a story of two sons. I'm just going to focus on one of them. But he represents all of us. We've all been lost at some point. Jesus says, A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Everybody say, Wasted. Wasted his money. About that time, the money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. we say starve? Starve. Starve. He persuaded, this is good, isn't it? Wasted, starved. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Let's say feed the pigs. pigs. Bad job. (laughs) Not, Not your way of saying feed the pigs. I mean feeding the pigs is a bad job. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. He's lost. He's in trouble. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, can we all say a long way off? off. His father saw him. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get the ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now has returned to life. He was lost, but he's found. So the party began. Say, party began. Oh, you yeah. Very good. It's a great story. It's the story of a son who went away, blew his inheritance. He went away from God. We've all gone away from God. Number one, we've all moved away from God. You know what? When we walk away from God, when we walk away from our Heavenly Father, we walk away from life, the source of life. And this young man had walked away from the source of life. He said to his father, I want my share now. Do you know what that means? It means, Dad, I wish you were dead. He would have had his share when his father died. He would have had his inheritance when his father died. His father was alive and kicking and well. He was able to run. But he said to him, Dad, you're dead to me. I want my share now. And you know, his inheritance would have meant part of the family business. It would have meant responsibility to look after the property and the land that his father and his grandfather and great-grandfather had acquired over time so he could have supported himself and his family. But he didn't want that. He sold it. He sold it cheap so that he could have something now for himself. And you know, the Bible says we've all been guilty of that, of living for ourselves now, of ignoring God, of putting him second, and of walking away from life. We got a lot of daffodils, and you can buy the daffodils now, can't you? With uh, this time of the year, is perfect for guys. Ninety nine p for a little bunch of daffodils. Men, husbands, there's no excuse. Ninety nine, you get a p, one pence back. You can buy yourself a mojo or something, or do they still sell those too? Used to be. But you know, what? as soon as those flowers are picked, even when they're in water, they look good. The the flower comes out, it blooms and blossoms, it smells good. But actually, what's happening to that flower is, essentially, it's dying. It's been taken away from its root, it's been taken away from the soil, it's dying. It takes a while for the evidence of death to appear, but it's dying. As soon as that young man left his father's house, he began to die. But he didn't notice for some time. As soon as we're away from God, death sets in. Things slowly begin to wilt. And fade and rot and eventually kind of stinks because we moved away from the source of life. This is where this young man finds himself, sitting by a pigsty. And he realizes that he's dying. It says, finally, he came to his senses. You now, we've all walked away from God. But there's a point where we can all come to our senses and realize, you know what, Lord? I need you. God, I need you in my life. And usually it's during the tough times. Famine came, and then he realized. You know what, God doesn't mind it if the famine or the tough times makes us realize that we need him. He just wants us to know that he's there for us and he loves us. He's our heavenly father. And so he goes back to his father. But you know what the amazing thing is? Although he's moved away from God, number one, now he's going back to his father. We can't get back to God alone. This young man, bless him, he still thinks he can earn his way back into his father's good books. He says, I'm going to go home. I will arise. That word is resurrect myself. I'm going to come back to life. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to say this. Father, I've sinned against you and heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But if you pay me as a servant, I'll save up enough money and I'll be able to pay you back. I'll be able to work my way back into your good books. But we know that doesn't work. We can't earn our way back into God's good books. It's not about what we've taken away from him financially. It's about a broken relationship. And only God can restore that broken relationship. You know, I believe the picture of the cross is seen in this incredible story. If you turn to verse 18. He says, I'll get up, I'll go home. I've got my spiel ready to tell my dad I've sinned and I've, I've done things wrong. I'm going to earn my way back to restore my relationship with you. And in verse 20 it says, he returned to his father. When Jesus is telling this story, the people who are listening would know that during those times to return to a village when you'd said to your dad, I wish you were dead, he would have been hated by everybody in the village. Everyone would have known what he did. And as soon as he sets foot back into that village, people are going to shout at him, abuse him, throw things at him. He's going to be totally ashamed and punished. He's going to suffer the penalty of dishonoring his father. That was one of the greatest sins you could do. But the incredible thing is this. He thinks he can work his way back into his father's good books. And while he's a long way off, his father sees him. I don't know about you, dads, but if there are times when your kids have done something wrong, sometimes you want them to kind of pay for it. You think, I'm just going to let them stew for a while. I'm just going to let them understand how bad this is. You know what? He didn't do that at all. He saw him in the distance and he started to run. Towards his son. All the village was full. The town was full of people. And there's a man, an old man, running through the village. Nobody ran over the age of 25 during these days. It was a dishonorable thing to do. And not only that, but to run, you had to wrap your robe up and charge through, holding your robe. Flashing your legs. Which was also dishonorable. Do you know what the father did? He took on the shame, the scorn... The penalty, the punishment that the son deserved on himself. He was the one who'd been wronged and yet he ran to his son and took all the shame from the village on himself so that his son didn't have to experience any of it. That's the wonder of the cross. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's taken our shame, he's taken our punishment, he's taken our penalty on himself so that we don't have to. And the father throws his arms around his son and he starts kissing him. This pig muck covered scrawny lad kisses him and cuddles him and hugs him. We can't make our own way back to God, but God has done everything to make a way back for us through the death of Jesus Christ, through his resurrection back to life. There was a party. It was wonderful. And you know what? If you read in verse 21, the son had re- rehearsed a line in his head that he was going to say to his dad when he came home. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. Verse 18 and verse 20, they're both in there. 21, sorry. And then he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's in verse 18 and verse 21. But he leaves off the bit that says, please take me on as a hired servant. He suddenly realized he couldn't earn his way back into his father's affections. His father had taken all of his scorn and his penalty and his punishment on himself. He just knew, my dad's welcomed me back as a son. I can't earn it. I've just got to accept it. He's done everything for me. That's the wonder of the gospel. That's the good news that we're celebrating today because Jesus is alive. We can accept everything that he's done for us and know that we are children of God. Come back into relationship with him. Kids, in your books, you've got a page where it talks about all the things that the dad gave his son on the second page. He cleaned him up. He fed him. He clothed him. He honoured him. You know what? When we come back to life, when we come back to Jesus, when we come back to God through the work of Jesus Christ, we go from being an outcast to being part of the family. We go from being mucky and filthy to being clean and pure. We go from being hungry and desiring things that we never quite satisfied to being full, to being properly, truly fed. From being ashamed and naked to being clothed, from humiliation to honour. That's the wonder of what Jesus has done for us. And so it's good for us to remember today what God has done for us. And what were the father's words? He was dead, but now he's alive. He has come back to life. You know what? Whenever we come back to God, whenever we accept what Jesus has done for us, there's a party. There's a celebration because God's children have come back to him, have come back to life. If you're here today and you've never accepted, as Chris said, you've never known Jesus and taken what he's done for you. Today is the day to do it. I'd love to talk with you. We're going to worship together just a little bit longer if the musicians and singers would come back. We'd like to respond to this amazing truth of what God has done for us. The fact that Jesus is alive means that you and I can know life. The fact that Jesus has come back to life means there's a way for us to come back to life in relationship with God. Can we stand to our feet for a moment? Just close our eyes. Thanks so much for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, please visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.